This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Open your Bibles with me this evening to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It's a verse that, that many of you know well, you probably know it by heart, barely even need to open there and turn your Bibles. But it, it'll be our jumping off point this evening as we dive into God's Word and see what he might have to say about what to me is perhaps my favorite subject of all to preach about, and that is missions, right? God's desire that Jesus Christ's name be preached among all nations, right? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our command, and I'd like to speak about that subject tonight. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. If you've opened your Bible there with me, follow along as I read. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Lord, we thank you for your word and how it truly is a lamp unto our feet, Lord, a light unto our path. I ask that you would use your word tonight to, to challenge our hearts, Lord, that all have come um, on a Wednesday night um, to look into your word, would, would leave having been transformed, Lord, even if just some small way from having been present in the preaching of your word, and that would, it would mold and shape us and make us more like you. And that Jesus Christ, the one whom I love and serve, would, would increase every day and I would decrease, Lord. Be with us. Meet with us. Show us great things contained in your word. Use your Holy Spirit today um, to, to illuminate our hearts and better understand your word. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray all these things. Amen. I'm an MK, as you saw on the update. I was, I was born into a missionary family. My parents spent 52 years um, church planting in the land of Brazil. They completed uh, 11 church plants and were people wholly dedicated to the preaching uh, of Jesus Christ there in the land of Brazil. And having been in Brazil, having been born right in the city in which I work today, and having had a front row seat to missions and to what God is doing, particularly in Brazil and in a broader sense, all the way around the world. Today, I'm sad to communicate that I see a clear pattern emerging in missions today. I don't know if you're aware of it, but those of us on the mission field are keenly aware of what's happening in broad strokes. And the truth is that we're seeing a tremendous decline in the number of missionaries coming to the mission field today, particularly Brazil. And as I interact with missionaries from all over the world, the trend seems to be universal. And um, as, you, as you talk to uh, even, you know, mission boards, uh, people who um, administrate mission boards um, would, would tell you today that there's a very clear and distinct pattern, and that is that we are in a great decline. It's not a small decline. It's not a slow decline. It's a decline that, that, uh, that began clearly maybe some 20 years ago and that was greatly exacerbated due to the pandemic, right? So something, uh, a trend that we were seeing uh, was magnified tremendously um, by the pandemic. And really the numbers are, are, are alarming. Brazil at one point was the largest board um, by number of missionaries represented in our mission board 
Um, at some point, we had over 100 missionaries nationwide. It sounds like a lot, but, you know, when you think about the Amazon, you think about all the different areas of Brazil, that's not really that many people. Today, uh, today we're, uh, we're down to about 40. The vast majority of those are over 60. We're projecting to have about three missionary families in Brazil in about 15 years. And it's something that's difficult for me. And as I think about this, as, as, I, as I try to, try to grasp, as I, as I try to wrap around my head, what could be causing this? Why are we seeing this pattern? Why are we seeing such a great decline in a world population that's exploding, right? I think we're up to some 8 billion people. Today, there should be many more missionaries going to the mission field than there were some 20, 30, 40 years ago. Instead, the trend is just the opposite, and we're experiencing a, a great decline. And as I examine, as I look around and try to understand the reasons for this, and this, and, and this is simply my, my, my analysis, um, unofficial um, an unscientific analysis of what's going on, but something that, be, that, 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 that's become clear to me, uh, I think a clear explanation for this is that we're living in a time in which, quite frankly, simply, many churches today uh, do, do not have a missionary vision, right? They don't understand missions. They don't particularly believe in missions. They don't think missions is important for whatever reason. It's something that in their, in, in their economy, in, in their plans, uh, they've simply decided um, uh, uh, to leave out. If you'll think carefully, what we see a lot in megachurches, for example, today in America, it seems like so many young, young families and young couples uh, are, are, are migrating to that kind of church. If you'll pay close attention... Um, to these churches that have huge budgets. I know churches that have $100,000 a week budgets and they have multiple pastors and multiple campuses and thousands of people that attend the church there and, and invest a lot of money. And each service is a grand production. But if you look carefully through, if you cut through all the smoke and mirrors, what you realize is that missions is, is, is often abandoned by these churches for the sake of their own, in, for their own programs, for what they have going on locally. And they simply have, along the way, decided to shed any type of direct missionary program. And this, I, uh, this, I believe, uh, would have to be the number one reason, is so many churches in America today have no interest at all in missions. And the consequence, the direct consequence of this, uh, of this decision, right, is now we have very few missionaries going out to the mission field because we have churches that, that have no missions interest. They have no missions program. I bump into people who go to Baptist churches, right, people who consider themselves fervent Christians, uh, participate in churches that are well-known in their area, perhaps nationwide, even worldwide, well-known pastors, multi-million dollar programs that have never met a missionary in their life. They've never been in a missions conference. Their church has never had a missions conference. See, there just isn't room in these churches for people like me um, on a Wednesday night to come and challenge you and show you what God's doing, right? And there are no pictures that line the auditorium, and there are no world maps out in the foyer, and there is no prayer made from, from missionaries, and there is no mention of missions in these churches. And the direct result of that is a great decline, a very concerning and alarming decline for, uh, for, for missions around the world today.
So with that in mind, I like to look at God's word and see maybe some things that we can understand, right? That can help us understand a little bit better how to put some of these things into perspective. And as I look into God's word, some truths jump out at me very clearly. And I would like to share those with you tonight. Number one, I would state that missions is very important to those who understand the priority that God's word puts on missions. And by the way, I would state, I would state that you cannot be a biblical church. You cannot exist in the biblical form of what God intended a church to be if you don't have a purposeful, clear, and aggressive missions program within your church. Now that might seem like an extreme statement, but I want to prove that from some things that we're going to look at in God's Word. So number one thing that we see is that missions is very important to all those who realize, who comprehend the importance that God's Word puts on missions, on fulfilling the Great Commission, going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. We begin right here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, right? The verse that we began reading. As you look at this verse and, be, and, and begin to understand the context, right? It's so important when you look at a verse to try to understand its context and try to understand uh, more clearly what the verse states. And the first thing that we notice about this verse is that, in fact, this is a statement made by Jesus Christ himself. And not only made by Christ, but it was, as far as we know, the last statement that he makes to mankind, right? In the, in, in the next verses, he is taken up into heaven. He had made a promise to his disciples and to us that he would go prepare us a place. Some 60 days before he'd been crucified, three days after that, he, he was raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us that he had another a time of ministry, had a few more days of ministry, about approximately two, uh, two months of ministry, and that ending then this period before he returns to the Father, right, before he's taken up into heaven, he makes this statement, right? Not that any one of Jesus' statements are more important than any other, not that any of his commandments or his words will be more important or more precious than others, but I certainly believe with all my heart that it's worth noting that Jesus, I'm sure, very well knew that this would be his last statement to mankind, right? So I, I believe it's worthy of a little bit more uh, uh, care, right? Uh, a, a little bit more weight, right? A, a, a little bit more value, knowing that he had to choose carefully what he knew would be his last statement. Now, who all was in the audience? We don't know exactly. Certainly his disciples were there, 11 of them. At least the Bible tells us that there, were, there was beyond his inner circle of disciples, there was a great number of people that were, that were faithful followers of Jesus. Many Bible scholars uh, would, uh, would imagine that there could be as many as five or 600 people present in this moment as Jesus Christ makes this statement moments before he's taken back up um, through the heavens, uh, uh, up, into the, uh, up into the presence of the Father, right? And so with this audience there, understanding that this is the last opportunity that he's going to have to say anything to any of his followers, what does he reserve the essence of his statement to be, right? It's clearly a missionary statement. So, so what does he tell his followers moments before he's, he's, he's taken up into the heavens? He says, listen, I want you to go and be witnesses of me 
I want you to tell people about what you've seen. I want you to tell people about the Messiah who came to die so that they might have eternal life through my shed blood on the cross. And I want you to go to Jerusalem, he says, and I want you to go to Judea, and I want you to go to Samaria, and and, and ultimately into the uttermost parts of the earth, and there be witnesses to me. Jesus' last words to mankind were missionary words. It was a missionary command. It was a missionary statement. As you look at other parts of Scripture, right, you realize that the the four Gospels each end with powerful missionary commands, right? How does Matthew end? Matthew ends with a following statement. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. Mark concludes with these words, go into all the world and preach to every creature. Luke ends with, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations. Finally, John says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. The next book, Acts, is a missionary book from beginning to end. It's the history of how missions began. It's very clear. Really, it's the blueprint. It's the outline for how missions should be carried out. It's missions from the beginning to end. Many of the New Testament books are what? Are are letters from from the founder, from uh, from a missionary church planner written back to churches that he's planted. And we have the benefit today of reading those. And they contain, of course, uh, they contain God's word. They're inspired. And so we have that benefit. Even in the Old Testament, the book of Jonah might be, might be the most powerful missionary story right, ever written. How God sends a, a reluctant man to, to a lost and dying city, the greatest city of his day, and, and wants him to go to downtown and set up his soapbox in a loud, clear voice. Talk about a God who has a plan if they'll but repent of their wickedness, of their sin. Even in, in the Psalms, right, it's full of verses that tell us, for example, to go, go to the islands and there declare the glory of God. And so we see a Bible who places a great priority on missions. We begin to comprehend, we be, begin to understand that we serve a missionary God. How could we not but place a great emphasis, a great importance on this calling, on this task, when we understand the priority that God's word places on the act of missions. Number two, missions is important to those who are obedient to God's word. Missions is important to those who are obedient to God's word. So what happens here? Again, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus has his his followers with him. They've seen him be crucified and killed and then resurrect, rise from the dead three days later. They saw him do all kinds of miracles. Right? They're absolutely convinced at this point. They understand exactly who he is, that he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And he stands up in front of them and he gives them a final commandment. He says, now my followers, his disciples are there, my followers, a large number of his followers are there. I, I want you, I command you, to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost part. Now, as we think about what they did, 
it's quite amazing to me to realize that instead of going out and buying plane tickets and, and you know, selling their houses and, and, and buying donkeys and, and horses and, you know, beginning to plan how, how it is they're going to, to strategically reach out with the gospel into all the corners of the known world. What did they do, right? Jesus' followers do exactly nothing. <laughs> Jesus tells them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and they do not do that. We'll call them, uh, we'll call them the first megachurch, right? They clump together right there in Jerusalem. They, they, they disobey Jesus Christ's commandments, and they do absolutely nothing about obeying what he's just told them to do. And some amazing thing happens, and things get comfortable, and there are days where thousands of people are saved, and, and the church is going through a tremendously exciting time, and they're seeing some miracles and some great social changes, and, and, they're, and they're, uh, you know, they're contributing everything, and just wonderful, never-before-experienced or seen things are happening, and they all get comfortable, and they do absolutely nothing about missions. You have to turn all the way over to chapter 8, and seven years go by, and they've done absolutely nothing. I'm pretty convinced they would have never gone anywhere, done anything, if the events recorded for us in Acts chapter 8 didn't occur. So what happens? Seven years go by. Jesus tells them to go to the uttermost. They disobey. They're disobedient. They do absolutely nothing about obeying Jesus Christ's last commandment to them. And so the Bible tells us what happens next. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Verse 3, so Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering unto every house and hailing men and women and committed them to prison. We're going to read a little bit more, more about here, him here here in just a minute, right? And now, now verse 4 is the key to the rest of the book. If you don't read verse 4 carefully and understand it, you're not going to understand the rest of what happens in Acts, uh, in the book of Acts. Therefore they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word, right? So what happened? What happened was Jesus' followers did not obey Jesus Christ, crystal clear commandment. And so now God has to bring about a great persecution in Jerusalem to get them moving out and getting them to do what they're supposed to do anyways, what they should have been doing out of simple obedience to what should have been a very clear, right, objective in commandment, which they promptly disobey. So now, trust me, the persecution that God brings about to the church in Jerusalem is very purposeful, and God, and God brought. <laughs> because the Christians wouldn't do what they'd been told to do by Jesus Christ seven years before. So God brings about the persecution, and finally they begin to go out into all the world, right? Because they'd gotten comfortable in Jerusalem, and now because of the persecution, they begin to finally obey what Jesus Christ had commanded them to do seven years before. Now, I asked you, loved ones, tonight, would you have the courage in your prayers tomorrow to bow your head and say, God, 
Do whatever you have to do so that we'll do what we're supposed to do out of obedience and love anyway. Would we, would we have the spiritual courage to say, God, if persecution is what needs to happen, bring it on. If that's what the church needs, to go to the uttermost, something we should be doing out of obedience, something we should be doing because we love the Lord and he's told us to do it and it's an ongoing commandment and the Bible's so crystal clear about this concept. God, do whatever you have to do to get us out, to get us moving, to get us to obey. Missions is very, very important to those who are obedient to God's word. Third, missions is important to all those who understand God's plan, right? to all those who understand God's purpose. Turn over with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 is the blueprint for everything missionary. It's God's plan. It's crystal clear. It lays out for us exactly God's plan for fulfilling what he uh, what he tells us to do throughout all of, scri of Scripture for fulfilling the Great Commission, for going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. Follow along with me as I read Acts chapter 13 and verse 1 that says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon. The center of Christianity had shifted from Jerusalem to Antioch because the church in Jerusalem had clumped and hadn't gone out and done what they were supposed to do. So God had scattered Christians throughout, and now the center of Christianity was at Antioch. And you see some names that are well known to all of us, right? Are in this church at Antioch. Wonderful. Must have been an amazing church, right? So there we find, um, um, we find uh, Barnabas, Simeon, that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed from Solution, from thence sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John for their minister. And the rest of the story you know well. Paul had multiple missionary journeys, Barnabas. And they were, in fact, the first missionaries called from the local church. And it established the blueprint and taught us the plan, God's plan that's followed till this very day. It is unchanged in 2,000 years. Right? Some, some 32 years ago, many were here at Bethel Baptist Church on a Sunday afternoon. Tony, were you there? Hostelers, were you there? I was called up in front of the church and I was commissioned. Were you guys there? Tony, were you there? Tony, you were there. Tony was there. He knows. And the church prayed over me, right? And commissioned me and sent me out and supported me all these years and prayed for me. And this happened because this is God's plan. 
So the church at Antioch was doing what churches do. The, 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 the Bible says they were singing and praising and fasting, pr praying. And that Wednesday night prayer meeting and that children's program, that youth program, that everything, that Sunday school, that everything the churches do, right? And one day the Holy Spirit said, now listen, there's going to be a shift. God had worked previously through a nation, but from now on he's going to work through his local church, the church founded by Jesus Christ, paid for by the blood of the Lamb. And from now on, this is the way missions will occur. We'll call people from amongst the church who will, who, who will be prayed over. They'll be commissioned by the church. They'll be sent out into all the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this plan remains until this very day, unchanged. Now, loved ones, for better or for worse, this is God's plan. And I promise you, there is no plan B. There's no plan B. I've been in missions all my life. I had a front row seat to missions. I've met, many, I've met thousands of missionaries. I've been in a lot of missions conferences. I've spoken on, on, on campuses of Christian colleges. I've been involved in missions conference, been throughout Brazil, visited other countries. You know what I've never met in all my life? Now, I don't know. Someone here correct me if I'm wrong, but please. I, I've never met a missionary that I went up, introduced myself. I'm Nathan Frey, missionary to Brazil, commissioned by Bethel, sent out by Bethel, supported by good news and other wonderful churches, and that's how I got to the mission field. I've never put out my hand, met a missionary, and said, well, you know, really, I, I am I, I'm sent out, commissioned, and supported by the Ford Motor Company. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen it? I've never seen that. I've never met a missionary that shook their hand and said, you know, supported by the, by the wonderful, godly people of Good News Baptist Church, sent out, commissioned, called out by the Holy Spirit, by a group of people, recognized God's call in my life, commissioned, sent me out to preach the gospel. And they said, well, you know, I, I'm sent out, I, I'm, I'm supported by Pennzoil. Right? I'm, I'm supported by Microsoft. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen that? I've never seen that. Bill Gates will spend billions of dollars to make sure that people all over the world are vaccinated. But he will not send one dollar to send a missionary across the street to talk about Jesus Christ, to preach about Christ. I've never met a missionary sent out through the State Department. Have you? I don't know. Am I, am I wrong? You know. I, I, I'm sent out by Bethel, supported by good news. As someone who said, no, I, I'm supported by the... I'm supported by the United States of America, by the taxpayer of the United States of America. I hope there aren't any government workers here. You know, I, I, I'm probably glad the State Department does some issues because I think they would botch it. I think it would end well, right? America is quick, and I know this is a military church. America is quick to send an aircraft carrier across the ocean, right, to correct some attitudes. I'm grateful for the U.S. military. But the State Department will not spend one dollar to send a missionary across the ocean to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because the task is yours. Right. Missions begins in the pews of Good News Baptist Church and ends in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And there is no plan B. So to those who understand God's plan for reaching the world and understand that it begins in the local church and ends with a missionary being sent to the uttermost part to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ,
that there's no other way. Mission suddenly becomes indispensable, right? All important, all valuable, because there is no other way. There's no other way. But the missions that exist in Good News Baptist Church and all the other true churches who wish to obey God's command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Would you close your eyes with me, please, tonight? Bow your head, all with eyes closed and head bowed. Maybe you're here tonight, and God's been working in your heart and calling you to mission field, and you've been procrastinating. Maybe you've never really acknowledged Maybe you've sensed that, sensed the Holy Spirit working in your heart for some time and you've not, uh, you've not responded to that calling. I want to urge you tonight. Uh, I don't know how, mu- how much longer we have, to be honest with you. And I think the day, the day is at hand. And if you ever, th- if you ever thought God, God was calling you to the mission field, today's the day to answer that call without delay. While there's still time, while there's still daylight, while, while, the, uh, while the owner of the harvest doesn't return, we're to be about the business of preaching Jesus Christ to the uttermost. If you're here tonight, I want you to answer that call. What are you doing for missions tonight? I believe with all my heart that God has some role for every believer. It might be to pray be a little more faithful, maybe take a mission trip as many here have done. I want you to look deep into your heart and say, wow, missions is so crystal clear. How can I ignore it, right? Today I feel burdened to do more for what God's doing all around the world. Use Lord me to be about the business of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use God's word to work in your heart tonight. I'm going to end with a prayer, and then I'll have Pastor John come and conclude as he will. Lord, as I stand in your presence, I will take hold of a promise that you've given me in your word, Lord. I, I, I have seen the harvest up front. I come from the trenches tonight, Lord, and I know how it's white truly more than it's ever been. There's never been a greater need in in the world than at the present moment. There have never been more people alive at any single time on planet Earth than, than, than right now. So based, Lord, on what I've seen, I come today and ask that you call someone from this church to the white and field. Call someone tonight. This someone tonight, Lord, would be called to join me and others as we go to the uttermost and there obey God's most precious commandment to be witnesses of Christ. Lord, we have the cure to spiritual cancer. So often we just sit on it, Lord. So work in hearts tonight. Call someone from this church to the mission field. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray all these things. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online 
at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.